Welcome to With All The Champions, a podcast that looks back at the moments that have shaped the Carlton Football Club. Here are your hosts, Tony DeBolfo and Howard Cotton. There were great expectations when Mark Murphy arrived at Princess Park with an outstanding pedigree, following in the footsteps of his father John and grandfather Leo as top-class league footballers. And it would be fair to say that he delivered on his promise. The classy, skillful midfielder in the number three Guernsey would go on to win two John Nichols medals and captain the club for six seasons. His best season was in 2011 when he earned All-Australian honours and won the AFL Coaches Association's Player of the Year award. His connection with Carlton started 16 years ago when he became the club's first number one selection at the National Draft. By the end of his distinguished career, he had followed his dad's advice and remained a one-club player, this year becoming only the sixth player to don the dark navy blue jumper in 300 games and join an elite group consisting of Bradley, Duell, Nichols, Silvani and his former teammate Simpson. The teenager from the eastern suburbs has become the father of two children and one of the Blues' greatest players and it's a pleasure to welcome him to With All The Champions. Great to talk to you, Murph. Thanks for having me. Well, Murph, uh, just take us back on that draft day in uh, 2005 and just describe your emotions. I think in the lead-up to it, you it was fairly you know, certain that you were going to be the number one draft pick. Um, just take us through that day. Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit different than what they, they do now. I, I hadn't had any media um, uh, at all, really, beforehand in terms of any media training or anything. So um, I think I did one interview with um with mike sheen for the herald sun i think in the lead up to it he was trying to get out of me whether or not carlton had declared that they were going to pick me or not and i i knew at that stage they were going to pick me and i looked him in the in the eye and said they hadn't as yet so that was wasn't a great start for my first uh, media interview but um yeah i had the chance obviously to go up to, to brisbane uh, underneath the father and son rule and uh chose to uh yeah take a gamble and try and stay in Victoria and I was pretty lucky that uh, that Carlton went down the bottom and um, yeah my, my recollections of draft day was going to uh, the draft at uh, might have been Colonial Stadium back then I think it might have been called um, it was, yes. and went with with mum and dad and, and my brother Brett was there as well and had to try and act surprised when Carlton read my name out first first pick and um, yeah just did a bit of media after that and I think all my all my schoolmates had already all left for, for schoolies, so I was stuck at stuck in Melbourne and um, and getting drafted by Carlton and and then uh, and then the next day meeting Kuda was probably my first initiation with with a footy club. Obviously, I met Dennis Pagan on on the day, but um, yeah, Kuda the next day at the top of the Rialto getting a photo was with with, uh, with Kuda was great. Yeah, well, I remember speaking to you on that day, and I remember asking John about, uh, you know, him, you going to Carlton, and he said uh, I didn't really like Carlton, but uh, of course he grew to love Carlton <laughs> over the over the time that you were there, Mark. Well, he, yeah, he had no other option, but um, I think I think Dad met Mum at a Carlton social club. I think that's what Mum tells me anyway. <laughs> Maybe she's made that up, but she used to work at the at the social club when she was younger, and uh, Dad played a bit of footy. Um, against Carlton at Princess Park. I think they played a few other teams there as well during his time. So, yeah, uh, mum was a, a Carlton supporter and, and my, my, my uh, grandma as well. So it was, um, it was a pretty, it was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty good moment for the whole, the whole footy uh, 
family, even though they were sort of Hawthorne and, and Fitzroy in the lead up to it, they're all turned Carlton. That's right. Well, you know, you eventually there was a big draft that uh, that year. I'll go through the players, but I mean, the, the number two player was uh, someone you, you eventually uh, ended up playing with. Of course, was uh, Dale, Dale Daisy Thomas, who was taken at uh, at number two. And I know you're you're great mates uh, with Daisy. Yeah, Daisy was taken at two. I think uh, it was a bit of a surprise pick from the Pies from uh, from memory. I think Xavier Ellis was picked to go number two from most of the experts, and yeah, Daisy. Went at two and caught everyone a bit bit off uh, off guard. I think he had a big grand final for Gippsland. I think in the Tat Cup and came out of nowhere. So he, uh, he had, a, had a great career at Collingwood and he was lucky enough to play with him at Carlton as well. And Josh Kent, Josh Kennedy, of course, was number four. And I know that uh, you know he only lasted with us for a couple of years, unfortunately. But uh, he was a uh, ended up a, a very well. He's a very good player. Yeah, he's a big superstar, big Joshy Kennedy. Loved uh, my two years with. With big JK and um, yeah, no one really wanted to see him go. It was a, it was much love within the playing group and and the, I suppose the supporter base. Who they were only getting um, a little taste of what what he was about um, in his first couple of years. But uh, yeah, that was obviously part of the the trade with Big Juddy. Um, so yeah, I think we we still did pretty well out of that trade. But uh, he's been a, a fantastic player at the Eagles. Yeah, did you feel the pressure, Mark? I mean, being the number one draft pick. I mean, did that? Did and how long did that last? In terms of the pressure, I'm talking about. Uh, how long did it last? So it sort of not, never leaves you when you're a number one pick. <laughs> yeah. You're always referred to as number one pick. Uh, but I, I sort of enjoyed the pressure. I, I enjoyed um, trying to live up to that expectation, and I'd always set a really high standard for myself and high expectations. So. Uh, the number one pick going along with that probably was just another layer. And um, I suppose when you layer that on being a Carlton player and then a Carlton captain as well, it's sort of extra little little layers that go along with it. And um, But I, I sort of embraced it and just took it on. And, um, yeah, it didn't, didn't bother me too much. Mark, I was just reflecting on this as you were talking and I was thinking of, of the Silvanis actually and how, uh, like, the Murphys, there's three generations of Sylvanis that have, have played league football at senior level. What was it like, um, you know, having John as, uh, as your dad, a, a great player in his own right at Fitzroy? Did you know much about your grandfather, Leo? And, and what, was it, what was it actually like to be, you know, part of that dynamic? Yeah, I, I, knew, uh, I knew my grandfather had played uh, for Hawthorne and won a couple best and fairest there. Uh, he was a, a full back, back pocket, so dower defender. So I'm not sure if uh, me or the old man got any of those capabilities, <laughs> but um, I think he was the tallest of a lot of us. So we're getting shorter as we we uh, evolve the Murphys, unfortunately. So hopefully Max defies that and gets a bit, bit of height in his side. But, um, yeah, knowing the old man was uh, a Hall of Famer, um, I think he'd gone the Hall of Fame my first or second year playing league footy, but I always knew he'd... He'd won seven best and fairest, um, so I knew there was quite a few I had to try and catch up to him with. But uh, it's sort of a little bit different being Fitzroy, not being in the comp, I suppose, as such. Like, obviously, Brisbane Lions are um, obviously merged with, with uh, you know, obviously the Bears and and, uh, and Fitzroy, but my old man, I don't think, was too happy about Fitzroy um, yeah, turning to the Brisbane Lions. So... We sort of had a little bit of a connection there with the Brisbane Lions when I was in my um, sort of early teens. So when I was playing a bit of bit of footy at a higher level, I, I was um, yeah invited to the rooms and trained with them for a little bit. But um, yeah, having having um, yeah grandpa pa 
played for Hawthorne 130 odd games, and then the old man playing for most of his career at Fitzroy South and North, um, and winning quite a few BNFs. But obviously, none of us have won a flag, unfortunately. So um, that's the the most disappointing part. But yeah, they're both both great players at different clubs. So I uh, I sort of enjoyed the the chance to sort of forge my own name at a new club and. Um, yeah, I thought I did that pretty well. You did indeed. Did. And we, Howard's already um, questioned you on the um, on draft day and, and the moments leading up to and immediately beyond it. Um, you got out of the blocks in your maiden season with Carlton. You you were playing, you know, uh, sensational football. And then um, you, you there was a game in Brisbane where I think it was Copeland that took you out and... and basically put paid to your uh, Rising Star Award aspirations. And I think you were probably the length of Fleming and straight ahead of anyone else at that stage. Um, looking back on that moment, do you believe you were targeted in that game uh, because of the, you know, the history with Brisbane not going there? Was there, was there untoward attention unnecessarily placed upon you maybe because of that, um, that situation? Yeah, I know for a fact that I was the target of uh, the Brisbane Lions for a few years. Uh, Sammy Doherty tells me that uh, big John O'Brien still used to give him a rev up before playing Carlton that I'd, I turned my back on the footy club, didn't want to turn up there. Um, and then even John O'Brien, I've become, uh, I've had a few uh, yeah, race days and a few events. I've had a few beers with him and he's had a bit of a laugh with him about how much he used to get stuck into me. But um, it's sort of funny to look back on now, but yeah, I certainly, um, I certainly copped a bit of attention in my first few years playing against them um, and Robert Copeland slung me over the boundary line and cost me uh, an extra nine games in my, uh, my first year, which is a little bit disappointing. But um, anyway, that's, that's, the way, that's the way it goes sometimes. Isn't it interesting now, Murph, of course, that uh, Michael Voss is the coach of uh, Carlton. He was captain of Brisbane in that game. That's right. And uh, I sent Vossy a message when he, he got the uh, – the gig as Carlton coach, and he reminded me of the fact that I said no to him. So um, there wasn't room for two of us at the footy club at once, at either Brisbane Lions or Carlton. So um, it's uh, it's been great to to see him um, get the gig gig at uh, at Carlton, and obviously a, a well respected leader and awesome footballer in his own right. So I think the Carlton Footy Club's in great hands, and I've I only live out the back of the footy club, so I've seen him doing lots of laps with a lot of players over the last six to seven weeks, so getting to know some of the players, which has been good to see. Just uh, elaborating on that uh, with John O'Brown, were there any other uh, guys that gave you a little bit of uh, stick on the ground there on that day, uh, or you know, from the, from the Lions' perspective? No, nah, just, it was just Brandy, I think. I think Brandy just, just uh, obviously he was a father and son from Fitzroy days going to Brisbane Lions. Um, he took me under his wing a little bit with uh, Justin Lepich and... and Lucky Power and, and Michael Voss. So he took me out to a 21st when I was up there training with him. So I had a, I had a few good times with him before I got drafted and I think uh, he wasn't too happy with me. Mark, you mentioned the conversation you recently had with Michael Voss or, or the message you maybe you texted. I'm not sure if you you know, you had the opportunity to talk to him. But if he, if he did, you know, as a new coach, come in and ask you about the Carlton Football Club, what would you actually say? Uh, oh, I think um, I've been lucky enough to have great connections with a football club. Like there's a lot of people that just haven't been, um, you know, staff or players that I've got great relationships with. It's been supporters and sponsors that I've been able to um, forge great relationships as well with over the journey that I consider really close friends. So um, 
there's a lot of Carlton people out there that are really passionate about the football club. Um, I think he knows how passionate they are as supporters and how excited they are about what this group can do and where they think this club can get to. So um, I'd say enjoy the uh, responsibility. It's a great place to be um, in charge of and, and to, to help lead the football club and hopefully back up the ladder because I was fortunate enough to play in a few finals that we we won at the G against big Melbourne clubs and they were the best feelings I've had in my life. So obviously with kids and getting married, but uh, the <laughs> uh, the feelings of, um, yeah, those are really vivid in my in my mind and I, at, uh, against Richmond and, and obviously Essendon, big, big uh, yeah, rivals of ours playing them on the G in finals and, and winning those both both those games are huge huge highlights. So I can only imagine what it would be like to lift a, a cup there. Enjoying this episode? Why not rate it and review it wherever you get your podcasts? We'd love to hear your feedback. You you were loyal to the cause from you know go to woe, Mark. Um, and you you played through a you know a difficult period for the club. It ha- it must be said um, in terms of success. It you know unfortunately didn't you know, materialise, um, the, were there opportunities for you to, um, um, to you know, look at other options in your career? Did you do that? Were you ever close to, uh, you know, considering another offer to play elsewhere or were you, you know, steadfast in your, um, you know, your decision to remain with uh, the one club? Uh, probably, I had a few few offers from the, um, the new clubs that were coming in, so obviously the Suns and Giants, but they were never really... Um, didn't really get too far at all down the track. It was more of a, a chat with my manager about, oh, this is what they're offering, this is what it could be, and I just was not interested at all. I was very happy with where I was at that time. I think, I think that was through 2010 to 12 or something like that, around those years. And at that stage, we were really building, and I was playing great. I was playing, playing with best footy. I, was, um, I ended up playing in my career during that period, so I was, I was loving the football club. I thought we were on the right track, playing some, some good team footy. Um, 2015 was a really challenging year. Like obviously with with Mick getting the sack halfway through, it was a really tough time to to be involved. And there was probably opportunities to go elsewhere. But um, I sort of been preaching, you know, through I don't know, a couple of years, really some really tough times to the boys every week about um, you know sticking fat and working hard together, and you know the title turn um, and really enjoy those times. But yeah, it sort of felt like if I um, you know opted out. I was um, I wasn't being true to myself and, and my teammates, so yeah, I, I didn't really get you know far down any path of of leaving the footy club. Um, even even though there was opportunities to leave, I thought that I had to do the right thing. And um, by being leader of the football club and sticking it out and, and really trying to drive some of the younger guys that were there at the time, and you know guys like Paddy Cripps, I remember even still talks to me about those those really hard times and. Back in um, yeah, 2014 and 15, getting getting beaten most weekends, but um, he's he still sort of remembers my positivity within the group early in the week about moving on and learning from our mistakes, but actually having a, a positive attitude going forward. So um, it's sort of good to hear some of those those comments from from guys who are now Crippers, um, you know, obviously been a co-captain of the footy club and a, a superstar. So to be have to have that sort of impact on some of those guys is something that I can really hold my hat on. Did the captaincy come easy to you, Mark, or, or did you really have to work at it? You know, there's no training manual, I guess. So um, when when you take on the captaincy, how do you approach it? Do you just decide I'll be myself, or how do you go about actually leading 
a group of players in a battle at senior league level? Yeah, I think uh, I learned a lot about myself during that period. I had uh, Juddy obviously at the club as, as well, which I, I lent on pretty heavily. Um, he always was preaching to me about being myself. I got got the role because of who I was and, and how I went about it. So um, just because I was captain didn't mean I had to change a lot of things that I was doing. It was um, There's obviously more responsibility and a lot of little things that you've got to be aware of. Um, but I was never really one to to get into the sort of the politics side of it, and um, I was more worried about my teammates and dealing with coaches rather than worrying about you know a lot of other stuff that sometimes blokes can get bogged down with. So um, I'd always been a leader of you know cricket sides and junior footy sides um, throughout my whole my whole career, my junior career anyway. Um, so it was something that wasn't really new to me, but obviously being a, a captain of a big club like Carlton and uh, yeah, being a number one pick, as I said before, you always have that sort of layer as well to it. Um, yeah, that can come for you. And I found that out quite a bit when we um, we weren't going too well. So I, had, I still had some really great people around me that um, yeah, helped me through and uh, yeah, got me through some pretty tough times. But um, yeah, I think uh, not everyone's meant to, to lead through, um, you know, clear, uh, what do you call them? Smooth sailing seas, or whatever you want to, whatever you want to say, it uh, it was a little bit different for me, but um, it was uh, it was still a, still a real big honour. You mentioned cricket there, and of course, um, thoughts turned to Craig Bradley. You know, was able to combine both when when he played. Different era, I understand, and, and Peter Bedford uh, too was a Victorian player in cricket as well as a Bradley medalist playing league football. That you were a, a talented cricketer, cricketer in your own right. Did you did you have to make that call? How far do you think you could have gone had you stuck to the um, the, the summer code? Uh, it depends on who you speak to. My brother <laughs> reckons I was a, I was the best cricketer he's ever seen, but that could be because he's my brother, which I probably would be. I had uh, I was still mates with Finchy and Aaron Finch sent me a message before my 300 games saying that I was never really that good. So I chose the right option. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, was, I made a choice to, I suppose, continue playing football. I, th- I reckon I was probably 15. I would have been 15. I missed out on the under 16s Vic Metro side. So I was, well, I cut at 55 and I'd played a, a few good trial games and I was a bit surprised and I was a bit filthy. And at that time I was playing, um, I think I was almost playing district ones. So, and I'd been in every sort of schoolboy Vic, big team and um, I thought I'll stuff this I'll, I'll just play cricket um, what do they know and uh, I was sort of I was sort of lucky at the time because I remember turning up to to Oakley Chargers uh, under 18s pre-season and Neil Ross was uh, was coach and you know the schedule was pretty heavy for um, for young you know footballers you train three times a week in the pre-season and I was playing district cricket so I was nearly every day I was I was uh, you yeah, know fulfilling some form of training and I I sort of hated going down to Oakley and pre-season training as it was so I sort of uh, I turned up to the initial pre-season meeting thing and oh, if he's going to require me to be three days a week then I'll just I'll quit and I'll just I'll just play cricket and he said oh look mate just if you can come down once a week and then with a month out before um, under 18 starting before the season starting then that's good enough for us so I was like oh perfect that works out well um, so I sort of I, I owe a lot to to Rossi for giving me that chance. I think a lot of other probably coaches in that system would say, "No, we, we want you down here two or three times a week if you if you want to be fair income." So I was still able to play my cricket. Um, lucky enough, played some really good football. Started that under eighteen season, got chosen 
bottom age metro and um, then Brisbane, you know, started to take a, a fair interest to in me. So that was it almost turned within six months of quitting football and worrying about cricket to um, thinking, oh, well, Brisbane Lions are pretty keen on me here. This is this is pretty pretty handy. And at that stage too, when you're a young cricketer, you're not probably going to play state cricket till you're probably early to mid twenties. Really, the way it was back then, it's changed a lot now. So um, the pathways for for football were a lot more, um, uh, you know. It was a lot easier as a younger guy as, as opposed to cricket. So it was, it was sort of a long burn if I was going to have the have a go at the cricket and, and football, um, you know, from Spain and guys like, you know, Michael Voss and um, Jonathan Brown and Lee Matthews, who was coach at the time at Brisbane Lions, and they were, they were pretty keen. I thought, well, how good is this? I'll, I'll give this a crack. So, and, yeah, my football sort of progressed from there. Yeah. Well, Murphy, you talked about your coaches, and, of course, you had – quite a number of coaches at Carlton. Uh, who was your best coach and, and why, was, why, why was he your best coach? Uh, Rats was definitely my best coach and the coach that I, I certainly played my best footy under. I think I was speaking to a few of the boys um, the other day, a few ex-old boys now of, of the footy club over a few beers and we're just talking about our times back uh, you know, throughout that 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12 period and um, that was some pretty – some pretty fond memories like we're winning, winning a lot of games or on the up as a younger side all doing it together. Like we're all pretty similar age. It sort of felt that at that time. Um, and rats, I'd, I'd played a few good games and he'd still square me up about things I wasn't quite getting right. Um, so I really enjoyed his feedback. It didn't sort of matter how well I went. There was always something I would need to improve on or how bad I, I went. There was always something good that I was doing. So, um, I, I never really tended to ride the roller coaster as much with rats. I, I sort of got along with him really well. I thought he was really honest, um, and he backed me in. He he was um, yeah, he was really influential in the early part of my career. Conversely, if I asked you who was the coach that didn't get the best out of you, or that you maybe felt didn't have the best relationship with, could you answer that? Yeah, I reckon you probably know that. I reckon <laughs> I reckon probably most Carlton people might might know that. I, I certainly um, yeah my. My uh, relationship with probably Mick wasn't wasn't ideal. We had different ideas on what we what we thought about our team and the way in which to play. And um, yeah, I don't think we got along too well. But um, anyway, that uh, that is what it is. Um, almost a lifetime ago now. Thinking about that, I've I've almost put that out of my my uh, my memory memory bank. The days yeah. of playing on the mix. So, Mark, you talked about um, you know turning out and. Big games against, you know, um, I, I guess big big opponents uh, um, of the great venues in Melbourne. And um, the one that comes to my mind at the moment is that uh, that final against Richmond, the elimination in, I think, 2013, which was extraordinary, uh, extraordinary performance by the team. Does that one stick out for you? Um, uh, or is there another favourite that you have that in which you played? Yeah, I've got asked this a little bit. I think, um, yeah, that was that was right up there. I think the the week almost prior to that, um, had yeah, been down by forty points against Port, and we had to win that game to to get into the finals. It was a huge one doing that over at Footy Park. So, um, yeah, that was that was a real highlight. And then to go on the next week and and beat Richmond when we were, you know in a similar boat almost down by thirty odd points, and you know they the sixty five thousand Richmond supporters there were pretty loud, but yeah, when we started getting going, it was it was louder from those thirty odd thousand current supporters that managed to to get into to get into the ground. And you know, I suppose you, you add that in with us and getting knocked out in the way they did. It was all a perfect storm there for a few weeks. So it was um, it was certainly right in the highs 
Yeah, well, 2011 were great memories too, weren't they? I mean, and we're a bit stiff there, Murph, in that in that semi that over in Perth that we uh, we didn't go through. Yeah, we um, we played some great footy that year against some some really good sides. We we had Geelong's measure, and I think if we got through that uh, that game over in West Coast, we I think from memory, I think we had Cruz and Gibbsy miss that that final as well over there. Uh, so you need a little bit of luck when you we need your best players out there in, in finals, and unfortunately those those guys missed, and there might have been one or two others that missed as well. But yeah, we're pretty uh, we're pretty close to to getting over the line and over there in the West and yeah, playing Geelong at the, the G the following week, we, I think we're a bit too quick for them. So it might've been a chance to, to get that win. And then you never know what happens in a, in a grand final. The Port Adelaide game, Mark, which I think was the last game at football park, if memory serves, um, it, it was a famous victory. And, um, I think you had a fairly uh, substantial uh, say in, in the end result when the whips were cracking late in the last quarter. And if, if memory serves, I was at, I was at that game and I can remember, I can remember the Carlton players just hanging on uh, for for all that it took uh, in, in you know Port's forward half when the siren the final siren finally sounded. But as you say, it was a, a meritorious victory against all odds um, in a uh, in a pressure cooker of a place in in Adelaide, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It um, yeah, I, I still remember. I think it was Broadbent hitting the post. It looks like it was going to go through with about thirty seconds to go, and yeah, there was a few little stoppages in the in the back pocket that we um, were lucky enough to, to get out of bounds and, and to hang on. But uh, yeah, it was, I can't remember exactly what we're down by, but yeah, I think I got, got on the end of a couple in the last quarter, which was, which is always nice. And um, big Tommy Bell caught up with him the other day and he was talking about his, his goal, his running goal and the, to put us in front in the last. So um, as some boys still enjoy those talking about some of those games where, you know, big games to get into the finals was, was awesome. I, I, I... I think um, you you undersell you know the, your performance in that game. Obviously, you had a great game uh, that particular occasion. But what what sticks in my mind, um, particularly in pressure situations like that, uh, is how good you were with your use of the football. You know, you never seemed to panic at all, and your finishing was always spot on. You used the ball well. Was was that a part of your game uh, that came naturally to you? You know, what what areas did come naturally, and what areas did you feel you had to work on through your career? Yeah, it's. Um, I suppose part of it comes naturally. Like, yeah, you watch some guys, and they just seem to have a little bit more time, and whether it's a half a second, just to make a smarter decision. But some, it comes down to training as well. Like, it, it. Um, people think, oh, you got a certain amount of talent. Like, you, you should be good, but you've actually got to, you've actually got to train it and be able to do those skills time after time. That's when the the good players become great players. So I sort of always hung my hat on making the right decision at the right time and. And putting myself in scenarios, so I, I did a lot of um, did a lot of visualization where I, I placed myself in certain parts of the ground at certain certain times with cert, against certain opponents or or whatever it was that I'd been there and done that before. So um, it wasn't something new that when I was required to do something at a certain time, I felt like I'd always been there and been able to do it before, and um, that was part of my sort of routine going to games was thinking about opposition and um, you know, even things as scoreboard, just thinking about things that could eventuate throughout the game. But I think just, just training it, just always putting myself under pressure at training to hit hit the skills I should be hitting. And um, you know, I think Craig Bradley was really good for me early days as well about just even just your touch of footballs and rats was just the same, like just always feeling the football and having it in your hands um, and testing yourself out at training with how to, 
how to grab it um, when you're locked down, when you got one arm locked down, just little things that can, can make all the difference in big moments. We're on social media. Give us a like on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram and follow us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. You were um, always one to put your head over the ball, you know, and you put yourself into, you know, places a lot of people wouldn't necessarily want to go. Um, we, we talked about the Copeland in- incident early, you know, in Brisbane. I can remember you being taken out by Luke Hodge in that game at the Docklands as well. Um, you, you always seem to, you know, win and wear them. You, you never complained, and yet... I. I can't help thinking that, um, you know, the, the, was there enough protection afforded you by the umpires? Uh, were there enough teammates around that, that came in to fly the flag whenever that happened? You know, what's your attitude towards that? Did you, did you feel that you were perhaps lacking a little bit in terms of support when the, when the acid was, was directly put on you physically by players like, you know, Copeland and Hodge? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the marker of a, a really good side is their best players always get protected. So I think when we were up and going, like the boys did that really well, there was, there was times when, you know, times aren't going too well. It's sort of blokes thinking about themselves sometimes and not about their teammates. But um, yeah, that's, that's something that, um, yeah, sort of went through a bit of, sometimes you feel like you're, you're out there fighting 22 blokes sometimes against yourself. So um, but that, that, that comes with being a good player as well. Like you, you, you want that, um, you want to get tagged when you when you are playing, like you you feel is a, a bit of a compliment. Um, but I probably could have asked my teammates sometimes to chip in a little bit more because I'm not really the biggest bloke. Face, <laughs> no, so, um, no, you're not. Uh, you're not but I always try to put my head in the hole and and cop a knock whenever I could. That was all part of it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Which leads yeah. to my next question: um, Physically, have you got out of it okay? You know, here's the body uh, now that um, you can put the feet up. Uh, yeah, look at my shoulders, uh, yeah, pretty stuffed to be honest with you. I had surgery into this season again. Um, and, uh, the last, not many people probably would know, but the last one that I had in 2015, I had a staph infection, um, after I had that, that operation, which ate away at my, ate away at my uh, shoulder joint. So, um, I was sort of, the only way we found out about that was when I, I did my calf in a 2K hour. And then I said to the doctor, I think I've got a bit of fluid in my arm here, get this checked out. And that was about 10 weeks post-op and went in, ultrasound that, found out I had a staph infection in that. So basically ate away at part of my, my shoulder. So I've, I've got limited range of, of movement now. And even the last sort of 18 months, I probably shouldn't have, I, should, I, should, I could have been playing, but um, it was pretty sore and I couldn't lift my, my arm above my, my, my head. So um or push a weight, so it was uh, it was challenging time there in the back end of my career. But I've already been told I need a shoulder replacement, but I'm only 34, so I've got to wait 30 years for that. So <laughs> hopefully they um, hopefully they design some better shoulder joints in the next 10 or so years. I can get one, get a shoulder uh, replacement. So yeah. I know Murph that you've taken on the, a role of sort of mentoring some of the younger guys this year, and one of the guys was Liam Stocker. Now, just tell us about some of the things that you've uh, imparted to Liam and maybe a few of the other younger guys. Yeah, I did a little bit of work with, with Liam. We just would go for um, a couple of runs throughout the pre-season together. It's obviously, there was some, some trying times with, with all, obviously, COVID and getting together and training in groups. So I tried to do a bit of, bit of work with Stock and, um, and then just catching up for coffee once a week and just talking about things other than football. Uh, he sort of tend to, um, yeah, think too much about the game and think too much about football. And I said, 
maybe it's just getting old age or maybe having kids. There's, there's other things to life other than football. And when you're a young kid, when you you get drafted, you only think that there is football and that's all there is. So having some sort of interest outside of football, I think really helped me throughout my time when I played my best football. So just sort of imparting that knowledge of my experiences over the journey as well, I think helped him um, just understand some of the thinking that he was he was going through because he he had that sort of pressure of being the first um, traded sort of pick with I think with the Carlton um, I don't know they did the draft try, or something, but they, try. Yep. yeah so they, he was the first one of that so he always has that as a um, yeah sort of that layer that I talked about being number one pick he always had that in the back of his mind he's got to live up to these certain expectations but I said you have high, high expectations yourself. So just live up to them. And at the end of the day, that should be good enough. So just keeping things simple for him was, was my message. And a lot of the other young guys, because yeah, there's a lot more media and a lot more scrutiny there now than what there probably ever was. So um, listen to the most influential people around you. And that's all you can really worry about. And apart from family move, what's uh, going to keep you occupied in the next six to 12 months and year and year and beyond that? I've got an interest in um, in property development and planning, so I'll um, I'll get out of football for a while, and whether or not I I want to get back into it, well, time will tell. But I think it's it'll be a good chance for me just to go watch uh, watch the boys and watch the footy club as a supporter for a couple of years, and and go with my son and go with a few ex teammates and and enjoy watching them hopefully win most weekends. Um, but yeah, I, I want a challenge outside of football, and um, I think I mentally need that to just to have a, have a new challenge, have a different purpose rather than football. So do you expect um, I still to be, love football, but uh, we'll, wait, we'll wait and see. Do you expect to be taking your place uh, behind the interchange bench at the uh, where the Carlton players sit as your father often did, Mark? Yeah, well, I'm not sure if that was the, the spots that the uh, the AFL gave me for the Hall of Fame tickets or whatever they were, <laughs> but he always he always uh, poked his head over the top whenever I got, got injured or something, so I could always sense he was near, near me, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll get out in the outer. I think I think Max will probably enjoy being out there. I haven't really. It's hard to. I'm not sure how you break it to a three and a half year old that his dad's not playing footy anymore. But he'll uh, he'll go there and watch it with me next year, no doubt. It'll be uh, be good fun. Well, we'll look forward to catching up with you too, Mark. At the football, it's been fantastic to catch up with you today. And look, it's been wonderful to reminisce over this career. It's been a fantastic distinguished career and you should be very proud of yourself. Thank you for your cooperation with us over the years and we look forward to catching up with you very, very soon. Look forward to seeing you boys as well. It'll be, uh, be good to have a, a beer in Carlton Heartland at one of the restaurants, no doubt, pretty soon. <laughs> Absolutely, good Mark. It's Howard Shout. <laughs> on you, Mark. Very good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, mate. Thank you. You've been listening to With All the Champions, hosted by Howard Cotton and Tony DeVolfo. This podcast was produced by Luca Ganano and Mark Davidson. Our artwork was created by Eliza Spiculis. Additional voice tracks provided by Stephanie Wackerwig. We certainly hope you've enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe so you get your new episodes as they become available. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We'd love to hear from you.